Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. I'm young, I'm handsome, I'm fast, I'm pretty, and can't possibly be beat. I'm a poet, I'm a prophet, I'm the resurrector, I'm the savior of the boxing world. I am the greatest. You know, there have been many throughout history that have claimed to be amazing in some way or another. And just like Muhammad Ali said, I am the greatest, many others have boasted about themselves, saying I am the smartest or I am the most powerful. But before any of these people had a claim to greatness, before any of them had a chance to boast about who they were or what they had done, there was the one person who simply said, I am. His statements of I am, his statements of who he was, were like no other. They pointed to himself, describing his very character and essence, and he is Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the bread of life. He is the true vine. He is the light of the world. He is the good shepherd, he is the watcher of the sheep, and he is the resurrection and the life. He is the I Am. Have you ever said anything that immediately outraged everyone around you? Can I try that right now? What if I was to say, nice to meet you, I am. You're just confused and kind of waiting for me to finish the statement, uh, but imagine people picking up stuff and starting to throw them at me. Uh, because in John 8:58, Jesus said this, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And that was the very response he got, not confused and what's he gonna say next. People picked up stones to throw at him and kill him. So why such outrage over such a strange statement? If you go back all the way to Exodus 3, here's the scene. God's people have begun crying out because of the affliction in Egypt. They are slaves there. They're being uh, tortured, and they have cried out. And it says those cries have reached God in heaven. And it says that he heard them, and he saw them, and he knew his people. He's going to do something about it. Exodus 3, he says, I am going to come down to deliver them. And so he goes to Moses in the burning bush and he introduces himself. God from heaven, the creator of the universe, reveals himself to a man saying this, I am who I am. You go and tell the Israelites, I am has sent you. I've come down to deliver my people. And God saying, I am who I am, this is him revealing his own personal name his own personal existence, and his existence is this. It's a self-existence. He was not created. He has no beginning. He has no end. He is the self-existent, eternal God. He always has been and always will be. I have to tell you, I am Garrison Young. I am a father. I am a husband. I am an employee. I am a pastoral intern here at Divine. Nice to meet you. I have to introduce myself with something after that, He just says, he is, I am, and he stops there. I am existence 
in itself. A name treasured by the Jewish people. So here comes this man that they see before him, and he says this, Before Abraham was, I am. Jesus has proclaimed to the world that the self-existent, eternal God is standing before you. I am he. That's a big and bold claim, and it outraged all that had heard it. But what he was proclaiming to the world, which God said in Exodus 3, is I'm coming down to deliver my people. Jesus, exhibit A. I am. I have come. This is not an isolated statement by Jesus, but there's many of them made in the Gospel of John. And we're going to be exploring those over the next several weeks and the practical comforts they provide because God has come down to fulfill our deepest need and provide us rest for our souls. And so we're going to begin today with, as Jordan said earlier, the bread of life. So if you would stand with me, we're going to read from John 6. John 6, starting in verse 26. And before you go there, I'm going to read to you John 20. This is John revealing why I wrote this letter, why I've written this gospel. Everything that you have just read, it is to this end and to this purpose. He says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. These are written that you would believe that Jesus is who he says he is. I am, and that you would have life in his name. I am, I am has come down. And the miracle that we just see right before this, this is written about so that you would see these things. You would see who Jesus is as he fed 5,000 people. Now this crowd has followed him and Jesus says this to them. Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in me whom he has sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it's written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. You skip down to 47 with me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from the heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. There are many, many things to stake your claim on, hang your hat on, trust in this world. Every single one of them will fail. 
They're all passing away. They're all fading. But this, the word of the Lord, stands forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the simple rest that it seeks to provide. That Jesus has come and said, I'm the bread of life. Whoever would eat of me, no longer hunger, no longer thirst. So Lord, thank you that those words are a promise uh, that all who believe would receive eternal life. Uh, So we look to that word today and submit to your teaching. Submit to the great I am who has come and spoken these words himself. Lord, would we believe, believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Reveal that to us, all of your glory, all of the joy to be found in your presence through your word. Amen. Maybe seated. So Jesus, in saying, I'm the bread of life, is saying this, God has come down, right? Exodus 3, I'm gonna come down and deliver you. I am, now it's come. I'm gonna come down that you may come to me, that you can come to him and hunger no more. So my question for you today is, are you hungry? Are you hungry? Do you feel in this, inside of you, this angst, this longing, that just seems that it cannot actually be filled? J.D. Rockefeller is one of the richest men to ever live, could have afforded to fund just about any program in the United States that he ever desired to do so, and he actually did sometimes. But when he was asked how much money is enough, he said, one dollar more. The next dollar came, and he said, one dollar more. The next dollar came, and he said, one dollar more. His desire for money was insatiable. Tom Brady, some of you may have seen this interview, um, after winning his third Super Bowl, he says this, why do I have three Super Bowls and still think there's something greater out there for me? Says, very sadly, There's got to be more than this. And it wasn't three more Super Bowls, apparently. Um, (laughs) Did it win three more, two more? I forget. Um, The reporter asked him, what's the answer? And he honestly just said, I wish I knew. It's out there, and I wish I knew what it was. There's a lot other parts about me that I'm still trying to find. This is Tom Brady, someone you you might look to as a pinnacle of success. Married one model just to divorce her to marry another model, right? It's like the, the guy can't figure out what it is that's going to satisfy him. My coworker thought that it could be found at the end of a bottle and went to that bottle time and time again and when found out that it didn't actually produce something that they enjoyed about themselves, went on something else, dove full head on into exercise, controlling the body, pursuing that endlessly. That didn't satisfy, though. Moved on to work, became a workaholic. Did everything they could to just succeed where they were and work harder and better than anyone else. Still wasn't there. Started giving back to the community because maybe it's outside of myself, serving someone else. Then it was fulfilling a lifelong dream and became a part owner of a gym. All these things happen over the course of knowing this coworker, and two years ago, why did that coworker come to me and say, I still feel that something is missing in my life. Maybe I should try God, was her response. You ever have the, I just wish, 
I'll be happy when. I've been thinking about that recently. My wife and I, we, we go on uh, some binges of looking at realtor.com and it's just scrolling house after house after house after house. And like what we have to, we, we get to this point where we're dreaming so much about what could be, we realize all that we've done is sown discontentment in our hearts. And we have to nip that in the bud. We have to stop that. Because we're, we're looking for this, if I only had, right? That's a chasing of the wind. And that's what we're talking about here, that longing in us that something out there is going to complete us and fulfill us. So what causes that hunger? J.D. Rockefeller, Tom Brady, a coworker, we all have. Ecclesiastes 3, I think, is really helpful here, and it says it very plainly. He, God, has put eternity into man's heart. He has put eternity into man's heart. Your heart is longing for eternity. So imagine this, a heart with a hole in it, the shape of eternity. Now think that child's little octagon game where you try to put the shapes in it, you take the square one, it's not gonna go into the star. It's not going to fit. And that is all we have tried to do. We have tried to take things, that which are not eternal, and tried to fill an eternal void. That hole exists in each and every one of us. It is crying out, it is longing for I am. The self-existent, eternal God to come and fill that void in our hearts. And so Jesus comes along and he's trying to explain this miracle of feeding the 5,000. And he starts out with saying this, you're looking in the wrong places. You're eating the wrong bread. Because in Exodus 16, God makes a similar miracle happen. God rains manna down from heaven because he is the God of the Israelites and he is coming to save them and deliver them. So he's keeping good on that promise. They're hanging out in the wilderness and they're now starving. And so he literally makes bread rain down from heaven. And he says he's gonna do it for these purposes, that they would see my glory and to test them to see if they would follow my commandments. And what was one of the chief of his commandments? That you would have no other gods before me. That they would see his glory and put no other God before him and continually to look to him and trust him. What did they do in the first go around? They didn't trust him. They tried to hoard the manna in the morning. It rocked. Jesus had a similar purpose in feeding the 5,000. He came, fed them with his own hand, from a kid's small lunch that his mom packed for him that morning, five loaves and two fish, fed over 5,000 people. The similarities between those two miracles are vast, but Jesus had the same purpose, that you would see the glory of God come down and that you would look to him and nothing else. But quickly, those who saw the miracle and now come to him, he says, you're eating the wrong bread. Verse 26, Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, the God, God the Father has set his seal. He says, you're not coming to me because you saw signs and the wonder and the glory of God. And you're, oh, that is what it's going to, that's what I've been longing for. God come in the flesh. No, 
You came because I gave you bread and you now want to be satisfied again. You think that the things of this world will bring that to you. But guess what? Just as the manna perished in the wilderness, so will all other things of this world. They will fail to deliver on that promise to satisfy and to give you life. You're looking in the wrong place. You're eating the wrong bread, he's saying. You should be eating one that actually lasts. Romans 1 says it this way. We have traded creation for the creator. We have worshipped what has been made over the one who made it all. We have looked to the things of this world to say they that which is not eternal will fill this eternal void in my heart as opposed to the eternal creator. It's an awful exchange that we've made. You're eating the wrong bread, he is saying. It's not built to satisfy. It's not built to last. Think about your phones for a moment. They're literally insatiable. Any app that you pull up, why do you constantly have to scroll? Because the first video, the first post, it didn't satisfy. Now you're just endlessly scrolling, looking for, I'm not exactly sure what, but it's something. And what an amazing place the enemy would love for you to be, is constantly finding it in the things of this world, as opposed to the eternal God himself. You're eating the wrong bread, Jesus is saying. So we look to things of this world very often to satisfy. Secondly, he's saying we often look to ourselves as well to satisfy and save. Verse 28, then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who you sent. They're on, they're on this, like, how, okay, if that's what I need, then, then how do I do that? How do I save myself? The whole purpose of Exodus is they were a helpless people. They were crying out generically, and God is the one that responds, said, you're my people, and I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to do that work. I'm the one that's going to save you. Yet in us, there is this desire to save ourselves. If self-improvement, right? If, if I could just become this, I've arrived. I will have made it. The problem with pursuing X is then there's a Z, right? And it just starts all over again. You can always take a step further and you're not gonna save yourself. You're not gonna be satisfied when you've reached your best life now. It is only when you look to him, he's saying, that God is completing the work and that you would believe the one that he has sent. So if you're looking to yourself, you're looking in the wrong place. Last, we often look uh, to others as well. It says this, so they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of heaven is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. They could not get off this physical bread because their frame of reference was just as Moses provided this, a man sent by God as a prophet. They're looking at Jesus and saying, you're a man, a prophet sent by God. If you are exactly who you say you are in that way, then you could do what happened in Exodus 16. God made it rain manna daily. You gave us bread yesterday, so give it to us today. 
And he said, you're missing the point. I'm not talking about bread. You're missing the point. I'm not mere man like Moses. He's saying, I am what has come down from heaven. I am like the manna that came down. God sent me. I am has come. We're looking to men to satisfy and fulfill things that they cannot themselves. Why? Because they're mortal. They're not eternal. But we have to have God in the flesh come down so that he can satisfy that. Only that which is eternal can fill that eternal void. So we can't look to a Moses. We can't look anywhere else. Later on, Peter is asked, hey, do you want to go with all those other disciples that have left me? And his answer is simply this, Jesus, where else would I go? You have the words of eternal life. Where else could I go? If you're a young man in this room, you might listen to Jordan Peterson. And Jordan Peterson has great words, wise words for you to stop acting like a boy and start acting like a man. But what he doesn't have is the words of life. You might have read Stephen Covey's seven habits of a highly effective person, and they might have been great words of wisdom to become successful in your life or your career, but Stephen Covey doesn't have the words of life. Marie Kondo might be removing anxiety in your home because you're removing clutter. Those are great, wise words, but she doesn't have the words of life. Joanna Gaines might be making your home a little bit more homey and comfortable and really modern farm. What is that? Modern farmhouse? Not exactly sure. But she doesn't have the words of life. If you are looking to men through, through acceptance, through their words, through what they can give you, guess what? They're also lacking. They're also in the same need that you are. They're a terrible source to go to because their source will run out. They will fail you. Moses failed Israel. God's point in sending Moses was never to say, Moses is your savior. It was to say, I'm your savior. I'm the one delivering you. We look to men. We look to ourselves. We look to things of this world because I forget who said it, but they said our hearts are idol factories. We'll make an idol out of anything. We will make a God out of anything. We'll look to it. We'll put our hope in it. We'll try our hardest to get it to satisfy the deepest longings of our heart. And guess what? It never delivers on that promise. Jesus is saying you're eating the wrong bread when you're turning to anything else than the great I am. They're empty calories in essence. And that's a lot of work we pour into it. A lot of striving, going after these things, time, energy, money, sometimes relationships, and Jesus wants to offer you rest today for your soul in that longing. He's saying, stop striving after this bread. It's the wrong bread. And strive after the bread that lasts. The bread that is eternal. The bread that gives life. He is the bread that you need. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. The importance of bread might be lost on us. And it's beautiful why he attaches the I am statement to this bread. And here's why. Bread's readily accessible to you and I, as well as many other things to fill our bellies. But in ancient times, it was not so. 
Bread was an essential need of life, especially to the poor people. If you did not have bread, you starved and you died. Jesus is coming and he's saying this, I am the bread of life. I am the most essential, the basic need of life. It was a common and very understood material for all these people. And that was a big claim that he stood there and said before them, I am what you need. No me, no life. If you have me, you have life, is what he was saying. And how does he get to make that claim? What is wrapped up in that is this idea that he is I am. It has to be attached with I am. He can't just say, hey, bread will give you eternal life. He has to say, I am that bread, because it is I am come down that satisfies that eternal longing. It is only when the eternal God of the universe puts on flesh and comes to man that man might come to him, that he's able to satisfy that longing. Jesus' claim to be I am is essential to him also being the bread of life. Because if you go to the Father, if you go to the Son, if you go to God, he's what you've been searching for. Fellowship that was broken with him, being brought back in by God coming down to deliver you. Everything that you're hungering for, thirsting for, it's, it's found in Jesus. It truly is. It's what you are simply crying out for. And Jesus has now put all the offer on that table very clearly. He says, come to me and receive life. Come to Jesus and receive life. And he can actually deliver on this promise. He says, I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever believes has eternal life. And the bread that I will give for the life of this world is my flesh. Those idols that you create, those gods that you make that are not gods, all that time, energy, striving, love that you've given them, question real quick, think about them. Have they loved you back? The things that you devote your life to, apart from God, have they loved you back? Or has it led to depression, anxiety, despair, continued longing? The problem is those idols, they're making a promise they can't deliver on. Those idols are trying to make a promise that they cannot deliver on. Jesus is saying, I can deliver on that promise. I am has come in the flesh. Why? Because Isaiah 59, God says this. He looked down upon his people and he saw, no, there are none righteous. No, not one. If they are to be my people, my own right arm will have to reach down and bring salvation. God from all time was prophesying that he would be the one to deliver his people, that he would be the one to come down. Here he is. I am has come. God has put on flesh in the person of Jesus. And he's saying, that's the bread that I have to give you. My life for your life. It's not that you've just loved other things more than God. 
right? You, you, you've sinned against him. You have offended the God and creator of the universe. And it says this, the wages of sin is death. Your idols, they would leave you there. They don't love you back that much. But here was God's promise. I am going to come down. I'm going to live that life that you could not live. I'm going to die the death that you deserve. I'm going to go to the grave that had your name marked on it. And you know what? I'm going to defeat that grave. I'm going to rise out of that grave and back to life that you would die with me and be raised with me into eternal life. That that fellowship that you are longing for has a way back in. That fellowship can be restored. Stop eating the wrong bread. I've come down. That you would come to me and you would hunger no more. Come to me and receive life. Receive what you've been looking for, searching for, just hungering and thirsting for. talking to someone uh, this week hungering for God he said um, so anxious right about God accepting him um, that he'd rather not think about it he'd rather drink himself to sleep rather endlessly watch videos. Um, you know, it reminded me immediately in the moment, uh, Brad Armstrong sent me a text the other day of how we often find rest in those things that can't provide that rest, as opposed to finding rest in the gospel truth that God has come down, not because there's anything lovely in you, but because he's the great I am your creator, and he has come down and loved you immeasurably more than you could ever imagine that your acceptance may not be in and of yourself, but it would be in Jesus. That we would go and we would take that bread and know that God is delivering on that promise to fill those longings of your heart. That we don't have to drown ourselves in anything else. We don't have to distract ourselves with anything else, but we can find rest in this promise that God has come down, that we would come to Him and receive life. So, my question for you today is Are you hungry? Are you hungry? Have you resonated with that angst that I've been talking about? All those things that you've loved, they're over-promising on things they cannot deliver. Christ's offer for you today is this, come to me. I've come to you. Now come to me and receive that life. Be hungry no more, it's found in me. And here's what I wanna say to you who've been walking around in the walls of the church most of your life, and you might be realizing for this first time ever, I've actually never come to him. Would this not be a moment of shame for you? Which is great rejoicing that that offer still stands. He has not been tapping his foot 
saying, when are you going to come to me? He's been holding out his hand all along, saying it's better. This is better than what you've been enjoying. Playing Christian is not fun, is it? This is better. Come to me and receive the life that you've been looking for. Maybe you have no idea what I'm talking about when I say, are you hungry? You say, no, I'm I'm not. I I would ask you to go back to what is that thing that you're saying, if I just had this, if this was just true, then I would feel complete, then I would feel whole. See, you're lacking something. Christ has come, and he said that you would have no lack. And both raining down at the manna and Jesus feeding the 5,000 says, nobody lacked, everyone had their fill. That is the promise of God, coming to him and we will have our fill. Lastly, for the Christians in the room, have you tasted and seen that he's good? Have you tasted this bread and have you received life? It's amazing. Here's my charge to you. You live in a really hungry world and you've been satisfied. The magician uh, Penn from Penn and Teller saw an interview a few years ago and he's an atheist and um, somebody finally shared just the simple gospel with him and he said this, how much do you have to hate someone to not share that good news? That should really sting us coming from an atheist. That he is saying, you have fa- you're telling me that you have found the longing, the desires of my heart, and that's fulfilled in you, and you've not shared that with me. That should sting a little bit. But do you believe that you've been filled? Do you run to him as opposed to those idols that we create? Do you seek to be filled by God alone? Because it's out of a filled heart and that abundance, you'll have nothing else to do but share. Marvel fans out there, you come right out of that movie theater, what do you go do? Tell everyone about the latest Marvel film. Guess what, there's been 40,000 of them. They're not that interesting anymore. I'm sorry. I love food, right? Like, just love food and one of my hobbies. What do I do? I tell everyone in the world about my experience that I had at a restaurant. Man, because I've been satisfied, I delight. Are you delighting in the Lord? The person who delights in the Lord will be only natural to go and feed this hungry world. And last, maybe you're like me right now, right? I've tasted those things, I've seen those things. And yet, for the past several months, I've had this low-level anxiety uh, that has caused my jaw to be constantly clenching, grinding my teeth at night, not sleeping really well. I still don't know what it is, But my prayer has been this, and it might be your prayer today. Lord, just restore to me the joy of your salvation. Keep going to that well. Keep going to that plate where the bread of life is. Lord, return to me the joy of my salvation, your salvation. Would you just return that to me? I know I can't find that contentment here. It's only found in you. There's something in me that's longing. Lord, would it be found in you? God has come down that you would come to him and hunger no more. Jesus fulfilled this promise 
from hundreds of years ago in Isaiah. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live. I pray that we all find rest for our souls in the truth that I am has come down. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are fulfilling our greatest needs. That you are seeking rest for our weary souls. Often I'm just tired. I'm anxious. And your offer is, is always there. That I can come to you and receive life. And hunger no more. I pray that today for all of us in this room. Whether we've actually tasted that before or we're just now finding out. The offer is simple. The work we must do is simple. Come. Come to him and believe. That God has loved us more than we could ever imagine. To the extent of putting on flesh and dying for our sin then we might be reunited with him. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.